unlimited concept. All right, so let's get right into this morning. I like this term or the concept of getting real. So often when we come to church, when we come to Sunday school, when we do things that are Christian, we get out of who we normally are, who we really are. And sometimes we can put on facades or we come off a little bit different than maybe we would in our normal everyday things that we do. Well, the premise of this month is that everything we do 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year should be the exact same. When we come to church, our attitudes, our minds, our, our focus should be the same as when you go to work. Teenagers, young people, when you go to school, there should be no difference about how you are when you enter into those environments versus when you come in the church. And you're like, well, you know, we've always been told since we've grown up, uh, when you go to church, you've you got to dress a certain way and look a certain way and smell a certain way and act a certain way. Well, folks, it's not about acting. Church is not an acting class. Church is about getting us so that 365 days a year, every single hour, every single minute of every single day, you're the same here that you would be when you walk out the doors. Very quickly, uh, I don't want to get into it, but most of you are aware, and maybe some of the visitors are not, I was in uh, secular work in law enforcement for 32 years while also involved in ministry. You say, well, good night. That's a total antithesis of being a Christian, and uh, that's a tough, mean-spirited, horrible place to work, dealing with criminals and arresting folks, and you had to be mean and tough and harsh. Wrong. Wrong. The demeanor that you'll see at church is no different than the demeanor that I used when I was on the streets. You say, what do you mean? Uh, I don't see you point guns at people in uh, church. No, I don't, I'm not going to do that because it's not necessary here. But the same demeanor that I portray here at church is the same demeanor I used on the streets. You say, well, we know we watch plenty of uh, cop things, and uh, as soon as somebody does something wrong, you pull your gun out and you, you scream expletives at them. Never did. And I made several thousand arrests over my career. Never had to do that. You say, well, you beat people up and hurt folks. No, never did. Use a minimum amount of force necessary. So I'm just giving you that little bridge, if you will, the same way that I act here, and it's no act. The same way that I am here is the same way that I acted, portrayed, lived, is probably a better word, on the streets. So when somebody says, listen, you don't understand my environment, come on, brother, sister, I've been there, done that. <laughs> it doesn't get a whole lot rougher than where I worked. So uh, can you live a godly Christian lifestyle, worldview, despite the fact you're in a rough environment? My answer is yes, absolutely. So when we're looking at the concept of revival, we're going to be looking at what uh, Justin just read, and I'm going to have to speak fairly quickly today because I've got six major points to get to you, so I won't be as uh, intricate maybe as sometimes, but I want us to get our hearts prepared. Let me ask you this. Peter, was one who walked with Jesus Christ every single day. Peter, who knew Jesus intimately. Peter, who spent time with his Lord, who would become his Savior every single day. Now, what happens to Peter? What happens to us sometimes? And this is why we're going to the passage. You see, God put this in the Scriptures to make it very clear, listen, Rich, you're going to mess up sometimes. You're going to get scared sometimes. You're going to be afraid to do what you should do sometimes. And that's why this is in here, because, folks, you're no different than me. Because there's no temptation taking you but such as is common to man or woman. I mean, it's just there. So let me ask you this. Have you ever been surprised by something you did? I mean, you, you got, you, you're like, uh, something slipped. All of a sudden, who you are and what you try to represent and the, and the Christian walk that you want, all of a sudden you do something and it goes bad. And it's like, oh, man, I can't believe I did that. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever had a serious regret? Have you ever done something in your life and it's like, man, I just can't believe I did that. And, and, it, and it rides you and uh, instead of forgetting it and moving forward, sometimes there's this regret that you live with. It's like, I blew it so bad. I messed up so bad at this point. 
Has that ever happened to you? Well, it happened to Peter. Is your walk with God a constant compulsion? I mean, every time you wake up, it's like, I want to walk with God today. Every time uh, you uh, get out of the shower and start your day, and is it a constant compulsion to walk with God, to live with God, to serve Him? You know what? I think that was Peter's goal. I think every time Peter woke up and he saw Jesus and uh, the other disciples, he was excited. It's about, uh, yeah, some things were a little scary that they did in that culture. But he's like, man, I just can't wait to get with it today. Is it a compulsion? Well, this morning we're going to examine when the path of good intentions for Christians ends in a poor outcome and then how to obtain biblical restoration. Father, I pray now as we open up the precious word of God, you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, we need revival. The greatest person in this room, who of course we don't know, the person that's walked with God the most, still needs revival. Every single one of us, every single day, in that continual ongoing process of becoming more like Jesus Christ called sanctification, we need to constantly, constantly be on warning and constantly work, if we will, towards being more like Jesus. So, Father, I pray for every single person here this morning, those watching on the Internet, that, Lord, if they know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, they place their faith and trust in Him, that, Father, we would learn from what happened to Peter this morning, and then, Father, move forward along that line. If anyone here or watching has never placed their faith and trust in Christ, they're not sure if they died, they go to heaven, might they find Jesus this morning before this service ends. So, Father, we commit all this to you. We ask that you to revive the saved and save the lost. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Luke 22, verse 31. The Lord is talking to Peter. Now, if you're not familiar, the word when he's talking to Simon, Simon is the uh, another name for Peter, the person that we're centering on this morning. So instead of uh, uh, the Lord Jesus calling him Peter, he switches and calls him Simon. That was the same name that Peter that, uh, actually had before Jesus had met him and said, listen, I'm going I'm to change your name to Cephas, to Peter. And now he goes back to, if you will, his old name, and he says, Simon, my buddy, one of my disciples, one of those that's followed me and been close to me, Simon, indeed, Satan, catch this now, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Wow, catch what that's saying. Jesus, God's son, comes up to Simon, Peter, and says, I want to tell you. And of course, Jesus basically was able to have conversations with Satan that we don't have or should have. And he says, man, Satan's after you, brother. He's coming after you. I hate to tell you, folks, but you know what? He's coming after you, too. Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 tells us that Satan is the small g of this world. He's a small god. But God has allowed him to have a tremendous amount of latitude during these times. And Jesus comes up to him as I'm coming to you this morning and saying, listen, Satan wants to mess with your life. He wants to, uh, to sift you. He wants to pull you apart. He wants to rip you apart from following him. And Jesus gives him that warning. Now, we're going to skip around because we can't go through every single verse in this passage, but we want to see how this all plays out. So immediately, Peter's in warning. Christian, let me warn you. Somebody wants to sift you as wheat, and his name is Satan. It hasn't changed. So let's look at the authority. Where did he get this concept from? Verse 32, but I, Jesus, I've prayed for you. Jesus, God's son's praying for Peter. By the way, who's our great intercessor? Oh, uh, yeah. Do you, do you understand that Jesus prays for you? He does. He, he watches over you. He looks after you. And he's the great intercessor with the Father. And, and Jesus said, I prayed for you, Christian. I prayed for you, Peter. I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. Ooh, 
What's Jesus saying? Listen, he says, I know you're going to be tempted, Peter. I know you're going to be tempted, God's people. But I'm up here. I'm for you. I want you to make it. I want you to get through the trial. I want you to get through the temptation. And here's, and if you see the words in red. Now, is Jesus omniscient? He knows all things. Is Jesus omniscient? Does he know all things? All right, very good. And he does. And Peter looks at Simon. He says, listen, I know what's going to happen. But he says, when you returned to me, when you have returned to me, then you'll strengthen your brother. And that's what I want you to do, Peter. Now, Peter's saying, listen, wait, what do you mean when I've returned to you? I haven't left you. Well, did Jesus know Peter was going to have a bad day? He sure did. And he said, listen, Peter, uh, uh, when you return to me, and all of a sudden, I mean, that kind of puts a chill down your spine. It means something bad's going to happen. Something bad's going to go down. Jesus is telling me that Satan's coming after me, and he doesn't explain at this point what's going to happen, but he says, when you return to me, which means I'm going to depart. Now, folks, here's the thing. Let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And Peter was convinced he's right with God. His, uh, Jesus is his friend. Jesus is his master. Jesus is the one he's going to follow. Jesus is his Lord. But now his Lord is telling him, you're going to mess up, brother. But when you return to me, strengthen your brethren, other Christians. But he, Peter, said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Peter is convinced, as you probably are too, and I hope you are, unless you're struggling right now. If you're walking with God right now and you're saying, man, I got this. I mean, uh, 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 things come my way and they tempt me and bad things come my way and it tempts me, but man, I'm strong. I mean, I've got this. I got it. Where you stand with Jesus this morning? You got it? Peter thought he did. He said, I've got it, Lord. I, 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 listen, he says, I'm not just going to fight for you. I'll die for you. No problem. Okay, Peter, let's see how that works out. Then he said, I tell you, Peter. Now, we know, the, we know this account. I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. Peter's thinking, wait a minute, Lord. Uh, I, I believe you're Jesus. I believe you're all-knowing. I think you're missing the boat here because I know who I am and I don't mess up. I'm strong. I'm tough. I walk with God every single day. I'm not going to forsake you. I know I'm a soldier at heart. I'll fight to the death for you. And yet Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times. Well, here's the problem. Peter would fail, but here's the good news. He also knew that Peter would be restored you see, folks, sometimes you're going to mess up. You're going to fall. You're going to do something you wish you wouldn't have done. It's something you regret. Life isn't going to go the way that you hoped it would go when something messes up. You fail. Just like Peter. And God says, listen, no, if, you, if you love me, if you're truly my child, if you placed your faith and trust in me, I'm going to do everything I can to bring you back to myself. Verse 32, what did he say? But I have, prepared, I have prayed for you, Jesus said, as a reiteration, that your faith should not fail. And there it is. You're going to return to me. You can't return if you haven't left. Well, let's look at the promised fulfillment of what Jesus preached to him, distancing from Jesus. So here's the scenario. Jesus is being arrested at the Garden of Gethsemane. He's going to be hauled off. He's going to go through six trials, all by the way, illegal trials, and be condemned to death. But we're not going to center on the Passion Week right now. We're going to center on this disciple, Peter, that Jesus himself said is going to really mess up and mess up bad. So having arrested him or Jesus, they led him or Jesus and brought him into the high priest's house. And here's the first major mistake that Peter did. He followed Jesus at a what? He followed him at a distance. In other words, uh, Jesus was a little bit hot at that time. 
Jesus was a little bit politically incorrect at that time. Jesus was one that uh, uh, basically had some potential danger surrounding him. And Peter watched after, if you recall what took place, Peter's got a little sword in his hand. And they come up to arrest Jesus and Peter pulled out that sword. And what did he do? He started fighting. He went after uh, uh, one of the individuals and he cut Malchus's ear off. And Jesus said, put your sword away, Peter. Good job, but put, put your sword away. We're not, that's not what we're doing right now. And what did Jesus do to Malchus's ear? He restored it. But one time to fight. Jesus knew he had to go to the cross. And it wasn't time to fight now. It was time for Jesus, if you will, to surrender to the vile wishes of the crowd. But he knew he had to go to die for our sins. So he tells Peter, put your sword up, brother. And all of a sudden, something happened in Peter's heart, and Satan's sifting of him begins to take place, and it goes into effect. And instead of Peter saying, all right, I understand, he gets scared. And he begins to follow at a distance. What does that mean? It means instead of walking with God's people, instead of keeping his eyes focused on Jesus, he got off track. Instead of coming to church and serving God and when days that they're in town... He said, forget it. Instead of reading uh, the Bible and praying and, and watching what we do and staying in a right attitude with the Lord Jesus, you forsake it. And you begin to follow afar off. And instead of hanging around God's people, maybe you end up with the wrong crowd, young people, teenagers, young couples, middle-aged, senior citizens. You say, oh, I thought you were going to stop with teenagers. Nope. Nope. Why? Because we're all prone to do things and go places and watch things that we know we shouldn't do. And Peter began to follow at a distance. Instead of being lockstepped on Jesus, instead of focusing his eyes on him, here we go. He started the trek in the wrong direction. Well, what about dangerous environments? Luke twenty-two fifty-five. Now, when they had kindled a fire, talking about those that were outside of where Pete, uh, Jesus had been arrested, now they, they have him at the high priest's home. In the midst of the court down, courtyard, what did, he, what did uh, Peter do? He begins to follow the distance. Another way, he's, he's distant himself from Jesus. Jesus is a problem right now. He's a threat. And, and Peter says, listen, I'll stay away from that. And, and Peter then, he decides to go to the local bar. He decides to go to the place where they curse and make fun of Jesus. He decides to go to the place that uh, uh, you know and he knew was the improper place for him to be at the time because he could not handle it. So Peter walks in. He sits down at the fire pretending like he's one of them. He's denying in his heart who Jesus is. He's trying to make himself feel comforted with those that he shouldn't seek comfort from. And Peter sat among them. Now, let me make it very clear. We need to take time to be with folks that don't cry, know Christ. I get asked all the time, it's like, Pastor, do you, do you uh, uh, go places and see people that aren't Christians? Well, of course I do. Folks, you, you can't you can't lead folks to Christ if you don't talk to them, if you don't spend time with them, if you don't build relationships with them. But you got to be careful, Peter, how you do that and where you do that and what the environment is. And when you put yourself in an environment that is not godly and not biblical, and are you ready? Peter wasn't ready. So Peter sits down among the wrong crowd, if you will. High school young people Young people in grade school, those that are in college age, you've got to be careful who you spend your time with. So, you know, Pastor, I don't know we ever heard you say that before. I don't know that I ever have said it in the three years I've been here. I'm scared to death for teenagers. I'm scared to death for our grade school folks. I'm scared to death for our young couples. I'm scared to death 
for those that are middle-aged and even senior citizens because it's so easy, just like Peter, to get involved with the wrong crowd, to get your focus off Jesus. Now listen, if you can go to the right place and you, or you can go into a little bit of a more unchristian environment and you can hold your own and you've got the right attitude and you're there to uh, uh, present Christ, well that's, but are you, are you like Peter? I can do anything, Jesus. I'm here to fight for you. I'll go to death for you. Where'd he go? Well, as soon as Jesus gets arrested and things aren't going his way, he's like, whoa, I'm going to distance myself from this. I'm going to go uh, sit down with those folks, not to try and be a good testimony, but actually to be a horrible testimony. Well, we all know what happens. And a certain servant's girl, seeing him, Peter, as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, hey, you see that guy? <laughs> he was with Jesus. I saw him there. And Peter, all of a sudden, that big, tough, hard guy, rough guy, military, fisherman, not afraid of a good fight. Oh, he folds. He folds. Peter denied him, saying, Hey, lady, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know that Jesus. Whoa, 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 whoa. Peter. Peter, one of God's closest disciples, fighting. I mean, he literally got in the battle for a minute. He cuts this guy's ear off, and all of a sudden his heart is sifted, and Satan gets a hold of his little pea-picking heart, and he rips it apart. And Peter says, I don't know him. What's the environment you go into, and you won't allow people to know who you are? You say, are you being judgmental? No, I'm being realistic. <laughs> I don't know what gets to you. I know what gets to me. I know where I struggle. I know where I have to fight. I know, and, and boy, we got to be on guard. Peter, you're going to deny me. Well, number one, I don't know him. Denial number two, Luke 22, 58. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are of them. Hey, I saw you, Peter. You were out there. You don't dress like us. You don't look like us. Your vernacular is different than us. You're not one of us. And Peter said, uh, Yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. I'm one of you. I'm not one of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. Denial three. And after about an hour had passed, he's got an hour to think through this. He has an hour to decide if he's going to follow the Lord or not. And uh, 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 you can, some lady told me the other day, uh, before she got saved, she said, oh, I remember who it was. And uh, she said, you know, I had, uh, I had Satan on this shoulder and I had Jesus on this sho shoulder. She's at a Billy Graham crusade. Now, of course, she's talking symbolically. And, and she says, you know, uh, uh, this shoulder was telling me you need to get down that aisle and trust Christ. This shoulder, Satan's shoulder, was telling me don't do it. And, of course, she was talking symbolically as if that battle was going on in her head before she literally did walk down the aisle and trust Christ. Now, by the way, you don't have to walk down an aisle to trust Christ. But she did at a, at a Billy Graham crusade. But inside her head was this battle, the same battle that every single one of us faces every single day where Satan is basically, or the demonic army, or, or your old sinful nature is saying, listen, don't do what God wants you to do. And Jesus, is, the Holy Spirit is working on the other one saying, you need to do this. Peter! After an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed saying, surely this fellow also was with Jesus, with him. He's a Galilean. This guy's from up north. I, I don't know, folks. I get people all the time saying, well, like when, when we're out of town or we're preaching somewhere else, and they'll say, yeah, you got that Wisconsin accent. I'm like, what accent? We talk normal and right. And no accent. This is where you're supposed to talk. I have no idea what that accent is, by the way. Um, but anyway. They, they figured it out. They're like, Peter, you're not one of us. You're, you're one of them up north folks. Man, I do not know what you are saying. And Peter gets agitated.
agitated. He gets mad. He gets feisty. You say, how do you know that? Well, you go to another gospel, Matthew chapter 26, and Matthew expands on it. Excuse me if I get a little loud here, but I want to emphasize the point as Peter was trying to emphasize the point. Then he, Peter, began to curse and swear. I mean, he got so mad. He rears up and he says, what are you talking about? And all of a sudden, he loses it. I mean, he's screaming, he's cursing, he's swearing. I don't know him. Peter, Satan's going to sift you as wheat. He's going to pull you apart. But I prayed for you, my friend. I prayed for you. Don't you worry, Jesus. I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to mess up. I'm not going to go to the right or to the left. I'm straight down the line. And all of a sudden, he's swearing and cursing and what happens? Well, as you know, immediately a rooster crowed. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Oh, oh boy. Oh, boy. Man, did I mess up. <clears throat> ah. Some of you say, I hate myself when that happens. I hate what I did. And I'm disappointed in myself, and I'm, I'm disappointed, and I know I shouldn't have done that. And, and, and you, every single person's different. You know what you do. You know what gets to you. You know the mistakes that you made. You know the heartache that you felt at times. And it's like, oh, man, if only I wouldn't have done that. And that's exactly what happened to Peter. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter so Jesus somehow was within the vicinity of where Peter was, and he turns and looks at Peter. It's all it took. It's all it took, a look from Jesus. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, buddy, you're going to deny me three times. What was Peter's response? Uh-uh, not on my game, not on my watch. And what happened? Did he fall? Did he fall? Did he do wrong? Did he mess up? Now, you may not want to answer this one. Do you mess up? <laughs> Folks, I hate to tell you, but there's still the old sinful nature inside every single Christian. And the Lord Jesus is there praying for us. The Holy Spirit's there convicting us. The Holy Spirit's there to work on our hearts. And sometimes, just like Peter, God knows we're going to mess up. But he says, listen, when you return to me, isn't that good news? When you return to me. Listen, some of you have wayward children. Some of you have wayward spouses. Some of you have folks that you care about that may not even live in the area. And you're like, there's no hope for them. They, 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 they've done wrong. They've forsaken God and I'm giving up on. Don't you ever give up on God's people. And don't you ever give up on an unsaved person until they breathe their last breath. Don't give up. Jesus wouldn't give up. The Holy Spirit isn't going to give up. We should not give up either. What happens? Peter realizes all of a sudden it hits him like a ton of bricks. And what does he do? He goes out and does what? He weeps bitterly. His heart is broke. I've, I've done wrong. I've, I've forsaken my Lord. I've, I've, I've messed up horribly. Well, very quickly, I want to go to the restoration of Peter. We often stop at this point, but we got to keep going. Three more quick things that we need to realize that Jesus now does for Peter. So uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus takes place. Jesus is up in Galilee, and the disciples are out fishing. So this is a little, just a short time after the crucifixion. Jesus is resurrected. And so when they had eaten breakfast, the disciples, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Now, I, I know most of you are not Greek scholars, but there's, we got to go to a couple of Greek words here, else this text doesn't make sense. Jesus says, listen, and most of you know this Greek word, agape. Do you agape me? Do you love me in the most pure, highest form? Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me? Peter said, yes, Lord. You know that I love phileo you. Wait a minute. Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me with every fiber of your being? Well, Lord, I, I phileo you. What's the, when you think of Philadelphia, it's the city of? 
brotherly love. All right, so it's a step down from that agape. And Peter couldn't use that term. And he uses the term, you know, I messed up. I, I still remember what happened. And I don't know that I can literally tell God right now that I agape him with all my soul, with all my strength, with all my heart. I, I can't use that word. It's so, it's so deep. He said to him, Lord, you know that I love you like a brother. And Jesus said to him, listen, Peter, feed, you're going to see three different terms now, feed my lambs. Peter, feed my little baby lambs. Embrace them. Help them. Feed them. Give them spiritual food. You're not ready maybe for a big sheep, but you go feed. You tend to my lambs. You take care of them. Feed my lambs. We do a lot of feeding here. <laughs> I'm not talking about food. There's a lot, a lot of different ministries. As, uh, you know, it's just like we're getting into 10 minutes uh, of things that are just taking place this week and this month. We got a lot going on. That's why we need some help. And boy, you guys put out, and you do. I mean, there's so many folks here that constantly are feeding the lambs. And that's what God said to Peter. Listen, Peter, step up, feed my lambs. Second call to actionable love. He said to him again a second time, And Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape me? Do you love me with every fiber of your being? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know everything. You're omniscient. You know all things. You know that I phileo you. I love you like a brother. Jesus said, all right. I don't want you just to feed my lambs, but I want you to tend my sheep. I want you to get involved and help folks. I want you to help the, the sheep. I want you to lead them. I want you to push them in a spiritual direction. I want you to tend my sheep. Number three. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? How many times did Jesus call him back in love? Three. Third time. Jesus said to Peter the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, uh-oh, do you phileo me? Do you love me like a brother? He takes it down a notch. Peter was what? Why was Peter grieved? So you love me like a brother, huh, buddy? You don't love me like I'm your Savior, like I'm God. You don't love me in the highest possible form, so you just love me like a brother. Is that what you're telling me, Peter? And all of a sudden, Peter's grieved. And he's like, oh, boy, he got me again. <laughs> And Peter's greed because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you're omniscient. You know all things. You know that I, and he still couldn't do it. He still couldn't say it. But he says, I love you. And Jesus said to him, all right, I want you to take care of my lambs. I want you to tend my sheep. And buddy, I want you to feed them. You understand what I'm saying? Folks, I believe Peter very well understood exactly what he was saying. We close with this. Where you stand with the Lord Jesus this morning. Revival, spiritual awakening, spiritual renewal is when God's people realize that we aren't perfect. <laughs> we mess up. And it's a time when we say, all right, can I, am I at the same level or further in my spiritual life today than I was the rest of my spiritual life? And if you can't say yes, do we need a revival? Do we need a revival? I say yes. I say Brother Rich needs a revival every single day of his life. I think every single one of us, as we go to what's called sanctification, the continual ongoing process of becoming more like Christ, we need to realize at times that yes, the demonic world, the satanic world, the old sin nature is going to beat you up sometimes. They're going to mess with your mind. They're going to take you down. And Jesus said, you know what? Let me tell you the good news. 
yeah, when that happens, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be asking the Holy Spirit to work on you. And you know what? It's going to be a wonderful time when we get reunited. Peter, come on down and have breakfast with me. Yeah, he put him on notice. He jacked him up, so to speak, for a little bit. How did Peter, we can't go into it, but the next two verses tell us about how Peter would die. How he would die. You know how he died? Preaching Jesus. You know how he died? By crucifixion. By history, here's how Peter, when he was going to be killed, for his martyred for his faith, the historical account says that Peter said, listen, I can't die in the same way my Lord and Savior did Jesus Christ being crucified in an upright manner. So if you're going to crucify me, turn me upside down and crucify me, and I'll die that way because I'm not worthy to die the same way my Savior did. Did God get a hold of Peter's heart? He did. Has God got a hold of your heart this morning, Christian? Finally, and I close with this, in just a moment we're going to take communion. We're going to unite God's people together around the cross, remembering what Jesus did for us. We have what's called an open table. Any single person here, whether you're a member here, whether it's the first time in the door, can feel free to take communion with us. But there is a caveat. Before we close, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And very quickly, I want to go through what God has for communion. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 23, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three, the Bible says this, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he, Jesus, broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You're like, okay, we're all good so far, but here's the caveat. God wants us to be in a right relationship with him before we take the cup and do this in remembrance of him. How do you get right with the Lord? How do you make sure you're right with him? For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man or woman examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep, basically synonymous words for death. So many are weak and sick among you, and many die. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. What's he saying? Two things. If you're here this morning, I asked the question when we started. If you were to die right now, where would you go? You say, Pastor, i got to be honest. When I walked in, I had no idea if I died, I'd go to heaven. I didn't. Well, you need to be right with the Lord before having him as your personal Savior before you should take this. You say, well, how do I do that? Listen carefully. I've got to be quick here. Four key things you need to know in order, if you will, to go to heaven. Number one, and we've gone through this through what Peter just did. We're all what? Sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. You say, I'm not being judgmental. It's just a fact of Scripture. Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible also tells us in Romans 6.23, if me and you got what we deserved, if I got what I deserved, the Bible says the wages or what I've earned because I've sinned is death. Now the death there isn't just physical death, but it's spiritual death. Revelation 21.8 makes it very clear. Yes, we'll die physically because of Adam's sin, but if you don't trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are also spiritually dead. Revelation 21.8 tells us, that all those that don't come to Christ will spend eternity in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, that spiritual death, eternity in an awful place called hell. You say, listen, I thought we stopped using the word hell in church. It's not politically correct. Well, it's not politically correct, but it's biblically spot on. You can't get away from it. So because we've sinned, if we got what we deserved, we'd spend eternity in an awful place called the lake of fire or hell. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. Jesus loves you this morning. Jesus loves you. How much does he love you? Well, the Bible tells us that Jesus loved you so much that he came down from heaven, took on a human body, 
He lived some 33 years on, the earth, on this earth, and then he willingly, he willingly went to what stands behind me, the cross. And he goes on the cross, he's crucified, his blood is shed, he's horribly treated, but Jesus said, I've got to go to the cross. I've got to go there because none of us can pay for our own sins. Only I can do that. Jesus made it very clear. So here's the free gift. And I'll close with these last two verses before we hand out the the rest of the cups and take communion together. Here's God's promise. Now, folks, does God lie to you? I, I think God's fairly reliable. In fact, I think he's absolutely reliable. And here's his promise to you. Not some church doctrine, not something that you pulled out the back of a hymnal, not some liturgy, but here's exactly what God says in his word. Go right here. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We say it almost every week. For by grace, this is the quote now, for by grace are you saved. What does that mean? That's churchy words. Grace is a free, unmerited gift. For by grace, God's free, unmerited gift, are you saved. What does saved mean? Saved means saved from your sin and saved from the penalty of sin. Well, how do you do that? For by God's free, unmerited gift, are you saved. Saved from sin, saved from the penalty of sin. And here's how you do it. For by grace are you saved through, say it, folks, faith. There it is. So you know I'm not making it up as I go along. Right there in the Bible, everybody here or most folks here know that verse. For by grace are you saved through what? It's faith and faith alone. For by grace are you saved through faith and it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Listen, any person should boast. Listen, if you want to go to heaven, if you, if you aren't sure right now, boy, wouldn't it be good if you knew right now that you go to heaven when you die? Now, a great percentage of folks here already do, but maybe it's you. Maybe you've never accepted that free gift. It's a free gift of eternal life by placing your faith and trust in Christ before we take communion. And this is, I don't want to say, well, okay, I'm going to pretend I'm going to trust Christ so I can take communion. Don't do that. Folks, it's a serious, serious time when you by faith say, I get it. Just like Peter finally got it. I get it. I get Jesus died for me. I get it that he went up there and shed his blood for me. I get it that his death and his three days in the grave and his resurrection were to pay for my sins. Do you get it this morning? If you do, receive that gift by faith. Let's pray. Father, I pray now that as we prepare for communion, Lord, there may be one, maybe two, maybe many here this morning, maybe some watching on the internet, that when they started this message, they didn't know for sure if they died, they go to heaven. And Lord, we looked at a lot of things that can happen to a Christian, but Father, there's some here that when they walked in were not Christians, even though they might have claimed that name. If that's you this morning, do you understand you're a sinner? Do you understand you don't deserve heaven? Do you understand that Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for you and was buried and three days rose from the dead? Then how about doing it God's way and receive that free gift right there where you are this morning? How do you do it? It's by faith. Faith is believing in that which you haven't seen, Hebrews 11.1. Would you by faith receive Jesus this morning and accept that free gift? Oh, it's the greatest thing you can ever do. Would you do it this morning? You say, Pastor, I just did. I've accepted that free gift by faith, by faith in Jesus. Well, I'll tell you what, let's say uh, we're going to close with a prayer. The prayer is not what will take you to heaven. It's your faith that just did. But let's thank God for what he did in your heart this morning. If you've trusted Christ, pray silently with me this morning. Dear God, I knew when I walked in this morning that I wasn't sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. But I hear from the Bible that I know I'm a sinner, I know I don't deserve to go to heaven, and that Jesus, your son, died on the cross for my sins, was buried, and three days later rose from the dead so that I could go to heaven when I die. And I, by faith this morning, received that free gift of eternal life. Oh, thank you so much for saving me. Now the rest of us, as we prepare our hearts, would you just take a moment of silent prayer? If there's anything else in your life that you need to make right before we come to the table, would you do it right now? Father, seal this. We commit it to you. Now, Lord, help us to walk with you. Help us to 
remember what you did for us as we take the cup and the bread this morning as your people, as we rejoice and in thankfulness for what you've done for us. And all God's people said, amen. The deacons have uh, the trays. If you didn't receive a cup, please raise your hand. They'll make sure you get one. And you may want to start. It's a little difficult to undo, so you can start working on the first tab, which will get you to the bread. We'll eat it together after uh, one of the deacons prays with us. Let's see, who do we have here this morning? So, let's see. Alan and Bill, I'm going to ask you as soon as the cups are handed out that you come up here, please. And we'll have them pray for the cup and the bread. We'll eat together as we remember what Christ's done for us. Don't worry about the music. All right, everybody got one? Okay, we still have some in the middle section right up here by Lyman. All right, Bill, if you want to make your way to the front, please. Alan or, or uh, Bill will pray. These are both two, uh, two of our fine deacons, and they're all fine. I love them all. Bill's going to pray for the bread. We'll eat together, and then Alan will come pray for the cup, and we'll take that together. Bill, if you would, please. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing love that you would even consider us, and yet we know that you did, you loved each one of us, and you died for our sins. Thank you for your body, which was given to us, and we pray that you might help us as we remember this today. In your name, amen. Lord Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Alan, please. ask you today for your forgiveness and that we thank you for your, the blood that you shed on Calvary's cross and that your blood covers our sins. Just thank you for the way that you love us. In Christ's name we pray. And Jesus in the same manner took the cup and said, do this in remembrance of me. All right, that's wonderful. I'm going to have the musicians come. We're not going to stand. I'll have Josh come up in just a moment. We're going to sing uh, one or two verses of At the Cross. We good with that? Okay. Uh, another thing that we do here is we take what's called a deacon's offering at the end of communion every time we have it. Every dime goes to people that are in need. It's not used for anything as far as the church budget or any of that. 100% every dime, every penny that comes in will be used to help those that are in need. Uh, let me just tell you one thing that, uh, and it's your money, so you should know where it goes. Uh, we had one of our missionaries, Tim, uh, let's see, I won't do it on the air, but a an, an, uh, missionary named Tim, and he has an old van that he drives up here quite often to go to the airport, and uh, his van was about ready to die, so 1200 of those dollars repaired his van. He lives way up north, and uh, so it's a good thing. We've had others that have serious financial needs that uh, that money is gone to. So again, every dime that you put in there, let's make that every penny because I think they still exist and uh, is going to go to help someone in need. Uh, Father, we pray now that you bless this offering, bless every penny that comes in, use it for your honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You can stay seated. If you will sing at the cross, I believe uh, we'll get through verse one.
much we're going to dismiss in about a minute if uh, we're going to have a very short immediately we're, we're not going to take a break we're going to go right into the vote if you're a member at Union Grove Baptist Church you may vote if you are not a member you may sit in on the meeting uh, that's totally up to you as uh, uh, we'll share just a couple of very quick things in our break time so we're going to pray we'll be dismissed again uh, you're all welcome to stay but if you want to if you're not a member and it's like, well, I just as soon go have coffee and donuts, you go have coffee and donuts. It's all good, all right? So uh, it'll work. And then Justin will lead our meeting in just a moment. All right, let's pray. And again, if you want to just head right down, visitors, please stay, meet some folks, enjoy our fellowship time, and uh, thanks so much for being here. Father, we thank you for this wonderful morning. Thank you, Father, for the beautiful music, the wonderful words, the challenging thoughts that have been given by several this morning. And Father, I pray that you'd help us indeed when we're tempted, when we end up in a situation like Peter did. Father, would you help us to fight through it? But Father, if we don't and we mess up, we stumble, then Lord, help us to immediately come right back to you. Thank you for your deep, enduring love for us. And Father, now bless us as uh, we go our separate ways. Bless the Sunday school hour to come. We commit all this to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, uh, if you need to use a washroom, we'll do that while people are mingling. We'll start the meeting in just a moment and get the ballots. Thank you.